0: Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the 361 Recovery Show and we're on series 3 which is called 361 and this series we, that's myself, Alice Smith, Jess Hawkes and Tina Makida, we're 361 Life Support and in this series we're bringing out to you a taster of the 361 Recovery Programme. This 361 Recovery Programme, we're so pleased and excited to tell you that we've got funding from NSUN for it. That's the National Survivor User Network. And we're going to be offering it to women survivors from September. And if you're interested, please hop on to our website, 361lifesupport.co.uk, and send us a message. and We'll give you more details. This week, it's week two, called First Steps. And I wanted to say something about first steps. So I think the first steps are the hardest out of recovery. The first steps into changing the way that you see things. And for me also, I wanted to include first steps in sobriety because I'm three years, four months sober. And every day is a struggle, I would say. But those first steps, when I look back, I think that we don't even know their first steps when we look back. So when I think to... There's a poem in this episode called First Steps and it was written before I got sober and it was written in the first steps of my recovery in a new place by the seaside surrounded by people I didn't know but did I know they were my first steps? No, it's similar with rock bottoms. I've experienced many rock bottoms. Did I think... That rock bottom was the one, yes. Did I know there was more than one rock bottom? Unfortunately, no. Did you? There's more than one rock bottom in recovery. And it's the same with sobriety. There's more than one day one. I had hundreds of day ones to the point where that's what I was called. That was my nickname, day one. And I would text people day one and they would laugh knowing that yet again I picked up a bottle or ended up with a man. That doesn't happen to me anymore and that's because those first steps became a journey of mine, a mental health recovery journey from abuse, from trauma following domestic abuse, from PTSD and from this alcohol problem that I don't know if I've always had or if it was a reaction to the trauma but does it matter? The fact is that I wasn't functioning in my life because of it and I was using alcohol to numb myself down. So, back to those first steps. Those first steps, we don't know we're in them. And we are very vulnerable in them. We're a little baby. And the 361 advises us to have a period of celibacy, to get out of dating for a while, because we are really vulnerable in those first steps. Recovery is all about changing the way we think, healing ourselves. And making some huge 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 dramatic shifts in our behaviour, lifestyle, choices and the way we show up in the world and that just doesn't happen quickly no matter what people say. 361 Life Support we're really honest one of the foundations is telling you how difficult it is and how it is really one step in front of the other especially at the start. Seven years in, my life is easier in some ways, but it's still got those elements that I had in those first steps. Mostly the solitary nature of life, the lack of social... um, Okay, it wasn't real, but that kind of frond, the friend bond that you have when you're drinking. So when I was drinking, I could go out and I could make an instant bunch of friends every night just because we were all drinkers. So that solitary nature, I miss that. That's in my recovery. It's there. It's the same as the first steps, but some things are different. I have a daily morning practice. I feel good about myself. I can set boundaries. I have a very clear mind, which I didn't have at the start of my recovery because let's face it, trauma messes with our mind. It fragments our thinking process. And if we can get through those first steps with support we can get to the point where yes we're functioning we're making our decisions I feel like my life is the most healthy it's ever been because the choices the people I have in it what I eat what I drink what I choose to do and most importantly what I give my time energy and money to have shifted and they're in alignment with my own truths now the three six one it does start with actually Jotting down your core values, and if you don't know them, I think that's one of the main first steps to actually find out what your core values are and For me, I found out that they were only recently that they were education. Kindness, truth, equality, and justice, and sharing. And that's one of the main reasons I do the podcasts, blogs, and the 361 Recovery Programme. I really believe at my core that life is about sharing what we've learned and sharing the lessons. So, over to you, what are your core values? That's a question really for week one. Hop back to week one. We don't actually mention it, but it's in the programme. And Today, we're going to be talking about first steps. Don't be too hard on yourself with those first steps. It's one step forward and two step backwards, even sometimes years on we go back. It's not linear. It's not a mountain. It's not something we achieved. And then we're okay. And the biggest, most sorrowful thing I found out about my own recovery is there's never a point where we get a certificate and we're then okay. And please avoid courses that tell you that they're going to lead you to this mountain if you pay them. Because the fact is, it's a daily practice a daily spiritual or otherwise practice where you find your routines that work for you and you walk through the world with your vision with all the things that life offers you good and bad now that's where first steps can lead you join us Step is the biggest. The first step is the slowest. The first step is the first step. And although we will be dragged back by why we stayed in staid walls, we will never be able to say why. We will never be able to say. No. When we take the first step, part of us dies. And if we are willing to start again, we allow ourselves to live, and although we give ourselves tough talk, we still feel not enough. The first step is of a crawl. Who kicks a baby? They do. And we drown ourselves in the mirror. We do. If I'd known how many steps were required, I'd have stayed wired and not know what I now know in this quiet mirror's face. There's not a trace of the old me here. Alice Smith, Child Who Said No, Fringe, 2017 and 18. Transformation is something that I know a lot about from very painful evolution, and 361 presents the world with the idea of emotional evolution. Evolution is the same thing really as transformation, but evolution is a longer process, and it challenges the world to think of our emotions as something that are continually evolving or stagnating so 361 emotional evolution asks you to think about your emotions as different elements of yourself and maybe you left some of your emotions at the age of five for instance rejection or the feeling of abandonment or jealousy and now you're an adult you still act like a five-year-old in those ways of jealousy maybe conflict resolution sulking or you feel abandoned by the slightest thing so 361 emotional evolution is challenging you to think about your emotional transformation think of love as a skill and think of life as a classroom and we're always learning But don't assume when you meet someone older than you that they're more emotionally evolved or transformed just because they're older than you. Comfort zone. This comfort zone is a bouncy castle, all stale air and rubber, You hide in the smells of lost childhood at the back until until some fat kid bounces on you and breaks your nose. Restless. Recovery from any kind of trauma or loss changes our pace. It changes our step and we no longer step in time. We may actually speed up. After any loss we can feel restless. Restless. And when I say loss, I'm not just talking about a death. um, Divorce is a loss. And even leaving an abusive relationship is a loss. It is a grief. So after any loss, we can feel restless. This doesn't mean that we get to rest. We may sleep more. It all depends on our body's coping strategies. In the first few months, we may notice a restlessness developing. I call it recovery rush. It's an itch that's a sign of change. Restlessness indicates it's time to get moving. We've been in one place too long, but it can also be a warning sign. You see, loss creates anxiety and anxiety creates restlessness. Too much and we can grasp for something to numb it. This can be going back into the relationship instead of feeling this restless, horrible feeling and actually fight or flight, neither, just sitting still. If we do grasp for something to numb it, this is a short-term fix which will lead to addiction. That could be just addiction to the person. Now you have two problems, your restlessness and your drug of choice. In some cruel irony, your poison of choice could increase your anxiety, whether it's alcohol, caffeine or that boyfriend-husband back. Life's a bitch and recovery is a bitch. What are some of the healthier ways of addressing that restlessness in the first few months after a loss? Well, we need activities that slow us down enough for us to ask ourselves, what is the problem? What is the feeling? This will take a long time to name the feelings, but it's a good place to start. Where is this feeling coming from? We may need some counselling to help us with these questions. But the problem is, when we're anxious, we want to speed up. Think about the time you spoke in front of people and motored through at speed. Recovery is all about choosing to do the reverse of what feels normal until it feels normal. If you're anxious and restless, drinks and casual sex could make it worse. If you're anxious and restless, why not lie down, listen to music or have a bath? Ask yourself, what's up? What am I feeling? Where are the emotions coming from? Anything other than slowing down is running away from your restlessness. And recovery is putting an end to running away from things. Here's some ideas for how you could tackle that restlessness. Swimming, dancing, jogging, walking, meditation, yoga, lying down, going to sleep, Lighting candles, listening to music, cooking from scratch, drawing, journaling, maybe some sport. Try out some activities next time you feel anxious. Do something instead of reaching for the bottle or texting the ex, and start to make a note of what works for you. Find the one way to stop running from yourself. Find the one, the three, six, one. 361 kite and anchor. A good friendship or relationship is said to be like a kite but also an anchor. When I was dating a sociopath post-trauma he claimed to be just this, the kite and the anchor. How do we test these new dates to see if this holds up? Well there's a fine line between support and love and control. How do we know if someone is good for us when they enter our life? The fact is We can't know for sure, but we can start to cultivate our gut feeling. I don't know about you, but I've lost count of the number of times I've ignored my gut feeling about a new friend or a man, and it's bitten me on the bum. I've ignored that voice that told me to be careful. I've got myself into trouble a lot. I've been betrayed or lied to, manipulated or tricked, even hurt sometimes. But if I'm really honest, my gut feeling never lied to me. If we have shaky boundaries, we can question ourselves, especially if we've had a lot of gaslighting. We covered gaslighting in series two. If you want to go back, we did two episodes talking about what it is and how it can affect our boundaries. So... Setting boundaries is an emotional skill we may need to revisit and rebuild if our childhood was full of figures who either didn't listen or gaslighted us. Because until we learn to trust our gut we are vulnerable. Kite. Have you ever watched people fly a kite? Living by the beach, I got to watch a lot of fathers get angry with their children as they attempted to teach them how to fly a kite. Because the kite only ever flies freely for a while and it can't ever be controlled. Maybe it would be a good idea to take a date kite flying to work out his or her attitude to control. We're not kites at the end of a string, we're women. We hold the string of our own lives and we fly our own way. Anchor Places can be anchors and so can friends and partners. No new boyfriend can ever claim truthfully to be an anchor. Not straight away. It's a red flag. Anchors provide a safe place for us to rest and be ourselves. They're heavy and they never move. They've been there for some time. We don't need new anchors in our lives, but we do need to identify the anchors we already have. Have a think, it could be parents, brothers, sisters, friends, places, or even routines. Even if we're in a really solitary place post abuse and we feel we have no one by our side, we can anchor into wherever we are by building routines. Good mental health is about identifying our anchors and using them to ground us. And as i say if we don't have the people around we identify what routines we need to get us through day by day and sometimes hour by hour i remember that feeling if you're going through it oh it's it will pass just take it hour by hour if we've got no anchors we must work on being our own anchor for a while as we recover from trauma we can become anchors for other people children, our elderly parents, our friends or maybe we can become a coach or a teacher and help others. This is what 361 is based upon. Any new friend coming into our lives must respect our anchors and not to try, try to sail off with them on board and we decide when to drop anchor. So it's a red flag if you have a new boyfriend or girlfriend and they come in and they don't like your parents, they don't like your home, they don't like your children, they don't like your anchors. What they don't like is the fact that you're anchored to people who love you. They will then try to isolate. So here's a little activity for you, list your anchors. Maybe if you like drawing, draw a big anchor first, that's optional. and list down your anchors and if you don't have anyone because you're post-trauma you have yourself work on small little routines every day that can anchor you in to stay here stay still breathing and stay alive so what are your anchors 361 Inner Champ. Who is your inner champion? Do you even know? You may have champions and cheerleaders in your life a partner, a best friend, a son or daughter, a parent. In my experience, cheerleaders are temporary. Even family members pass away. The only real champion you can depend on 100% is your inner champion. So, what does he, she, it, they say? Here's an activity for you. Grab a pen and a piece of paper and find a quiet spot. Take 10 minutes to sit and listen and list all the champions you've ever had in your life. Start really early. I think my first champion is from when I'm about five. Encourage me to read. Include parents, friends, teachers, relatives, random people who came into your life, but they made an impact celebrities you don't know don't count. This has to be a list of people who've encouraged you in some way, even if it went tits up eventually through a divorce or a breakup. So it could be a step parent. Jot them down for now. Next to their name, write some of the things they said or did for you. They'll probably have some sayings that have stuck in your mind. They will all have one thing in common, They've made you feel encouraged. They changed your life a little bit just by meeting them. These comments are important. Read them through. They are a reflection of your good qualities. What you bring to the world or what you could bring to the world. You can make them into mantras and stick them on your window or mirror. You can use some of them to answer your inner critic. Next week, week three, we'll be looking at the inner critic. You can even use them to influence and plan how you might be a role model or a champion to someone in your life right now or in the future, because this stuff is supposed to be two-way. Look for champions in your life. They will like your style, your values, your vibe, not so much your shoes, your lipstick or your salary, and something for their future. You're aiming to be a champion to someone else and pay it forward. This is about values, not money. 361 Sober. The 361 Recovery Programme has an optional sobriety element, where, um, which is a six-week optional add-on for trying sobriety. Or maybe you're struggling with sobriety and it's for people who are either considering sobriety or they're in the first 12 months. Um, I'm three years, four months sober now. And if you've just got sober, well done. First steps in sobriety. Well, early sobriety, all I'll say is mind the gap. There's this huge lonely gap when all your drinking friends leave you because you are, in inverted commas, boring and an in-between period before your new friends arrive. To be in your circle, they don't need to be sober, they just need to respect your boundaries and your choice to be sober and they need to get it. So at first, being sober can suck because you see a lot of these friends disappear out of your life now you're not buying them any drinks. There are so many emotional and social skills to learn and don't be surprised if you regress slightly and feel a bit adolescent at parties. An even better plan is just to not go out for a bit. Whatever works for you. This is how I felt in those first few months. I I wrote I um wrote this in two thousand and seventeen and just found it. It's called Drink Me. Standing, feet planted, as the world turns underneath my boots. It suits you to see it this way. Standing, feet planted, but really it isn't any way you've seen before. I fall standing still. The world is rocking and I catch the hand of those who are slipping and sliding. Close my eyes, it makes no difference to the balance. There's no highs to balance the lows. Is there a cure for me? A quick fix to this slow-dying ember. I can't remember where you hid the bottle. If you are in your first early days of sobriety, it's really worth persevering. It's completely changed my life. And as for first steps, the 361 asks you, what's your first step out of your 360 circle? whatever circle you're in but the circle of abuse and my answer is my first step was sobriety and from sobriety it's led me out to a so much better mental health and an improvement in every single area of my life. I know that we are actually on first steps but I wanted to talk to you about the finish line because of course when we start we think okay What's going to be the end goal? That's just how we think these days. Where's the finish line? When will I be well? This reminds me actually, I was sitting in a jacuzzi with someone in Western Supermare and she was telling me a miserable life story of how she'd got this horrible boyfriend and she'd got rid of him. And I was telling her about the 361 and she turned to me and said, how long will it take? And it really... I can't remember what I answered, but it really hit me that we want to quickly be well, stop it hurting, be okay. And yet it may have been decades of bad treatment that we've given ourselves or that we've endured. And that's just not going to mean that the finish line is coming anytime soon. In fact, there is no finish line. And I want to talk to you about that and the lack of closure. There's no finish line in recovery. And there's no finish line in relationships, you know that. This is because neither of them are races. Life is not a race. There are thresholds to both though. In recovery, we can walk through doors and through thresholds into new rooms and new worlds. Some are good for us and some are harmful. I've experienced both of you. Let me give you some examples. Post-trauma, I began to drink in the day. This is a harmful threshold but it seemed fun at the time in those packed spoons full of people like me and I'm sure they're still there. I crossed back over and I decided to get sober on a beach one Saturday afternoon in March 2017. I wondered what would happen if I stopped. This time I didn't tell anyone. I'd had two years of day ones and they were just that one day of sobriety before temptation got the better of me. If I'm honest, I was ashamed at my lack of willpower. Anyway, there was no one to tell there and I didn't know anyone on that beach or in that seaside town. Trauma does that to you. It empties your life. People run away. No one's to blame. It's just how it is. I didn't know it that day when I set my first steps, but I was stepping through a big recovery threshold, a good one. You see, my life didn't get better instantly. In fact, it got worse. My dad died six months after that day and I had nothing to numb the pain. But it did get better eventually. Better than I've ever imagined when I took those first steps through that door. It got better slowly. I think this is one of the things we've got to realise in recovery, that it's a slow burn. And if we've lived with our highs and lows and our quick fixes, it's so difficult to change pace. There's no finish line in recovery and I think that's the hardest thing about it. This is why I count the days of sobriety. We're never not an alcoholic and there are no certificates. Addicts who do not drink are in remission and there's no finish line in relationships either because death is a threshold. We have to cross it on our own one day. There are more thresholds in our life. Births, marriages, divorces, graduations, bereavements, menopause. At these times, we need to mark the crossover. So after abuse, oh, there's no way of saying this to make it comfortable. There's no closure. I've experienced this. Even on deathbeds, people don't give closure. And it's not like it is in films. So how can we obtain closure? How can we draw a line in the sand? It's not exactly a finish line, but it's up to us to draw that line in the sand. There's a lot of ways we can do it, but we have to do it ourselves. There's rituals we can do involving wedding rings, involving photographs, involving marking things in the way that is right for you. We could talk about that later in this series it's actually week eight of the 361 but for now i want you to know that there's no finish line there's no closure until we draw the line in the sand and we create our own closure A funny little story attached to this, as to all my poems. So, I'd gone to live by the sea and move away from a crazy lifestyle of performances and drag queen and uh, alcoholism, none of which I really knew when I moved. And I moved to a beach in January. It was very dark to take on a teaching job, which just didn't work out. But within that, the five weeks that I lasted there, I just didn't know what I'd done. I moved from all my friends and family and I moved into a flat I'd never seen before Um, and so it was very hardcore Uh, it's probably one of the most scary things I've done and I I didn't know what the hell I'd done I was sitting in classrooms in a job that I knew I wouldn't be able to keep it was really toxic and I had a scrap of paper and I was bored in a lesson, which is which I never am. So that was a bad sign. And on the scrap of paper, I wrote a few words. And it's just amazing that this became this poem that was performed. um, It's been performed in Glastonbury. It's been performed in Bath and Birmingham in a full theatrical play. It's called The First Steps and I've when I was putting the play together I always put the play together just by picking some of the poems that I want and then adding costumes, multimedia and other people around it and I, I've got 500-700 poems so I have a lot to choose from and I found this little scrap of paper literally on the back of an envelope with this poem and it wasn't really finished and it was put in, I was with working with someone else at the time and we started to perform it moving towards a mirror and we would drop the playing cards because it was an Alice Through the Looking Glass theme and step on them. So we would say the first step is the biggest and step onto a playing card, drop another card, the first card is the slowest, drop another one. And then there's a line in it that says, although we give ourselves tough talk, we still feel not enough. And I would just drop all the cards to signify, you know, those times in your life where you just drop everything. And it became a symbol of recovery and people really liked it. So isn't it strange that from a scrap of paper, a actual scene, a powerful scene, Uh, We did it in Glastonbury at the assembly rooms on solstice, which I very much regretted because it was really spooky and candlelight. And it really has got quite a lot in it for something that was scribbled on the back of the paper. So a couple of lines to mention. Um, Who kicks a baby? They do. That line is about uh, if you are dating when you're broken, um, it can feel like, someone's kicking you because you're just a baby and it's really good on with hindsight to not date but start to protect yourself with a a period of celibacy and also um, this idea that if I'd have stayed wired I wish I'd have stayed wired because now I see so if I'd have stayed wired I wouldn't have actually seen some of the hard truths that I've seen in my recovery so i just realised really that this was written just as I was thinking of getting sober and the teachers were asking me to go out for drinks and I actually said for the first time no I'm not going to go out I'm starting to give up drink I was just starting and actually it was written just a month before that stuck and I'm three years four months sober now so it was the first time I realized that by saying no to people they didn't befriend me and eventually they asked me to leave the actual difficulty of sobriety and of our recovery and the solitary nature of it when we step out and say no is in here too Um, If I'd have known what steps were required, I'd have stayed wired. I didn't realise the sacrifice that sobriety and mental health recovery take socially. So yeah, here it is, from a scrap of paper to the theatre. The first step. step is the biggest. The first step is the slowest. The first step is the first step. And although we will be dragged back by why we stayed in staid walls, we will never be able to say why. We will never be able to say No. When we take the first step, part of us dies. And if we are willing to start again, we allow ourselves to live, and although we give ourselves tough talk, we still feel not enough. The first step is more of a crawl. Who kicks a baby? They do. And we drown ourselves in the mirror. We do. If I'd known how many steps were required, I'd have stayed wired and not know what I now know in this quiet mirror's face. There's not a trace of the old me here. Alice Smith, Child Who Said No, Fringe, 2017 and 18. 361 recovery program and the 361 pages are going to be coming out for free there's funded places available for women it's women only at the moment but there are plans to extend it to men as well working in conjunction with mind if you're interested would like to apply for a free funded place it's a 12-week program and it's going to be running for two hours a week from september the 9th for the 361 recovery and september the 10th for 361 pages then please contact Alice on 13goddess, that's G O D D E S E at gmail.com. Or if that's just too complicated, please get in touch via our website where you can click and send me a message. That's 361lifesupport.co.uk and the link's also on the our recovery show bio. On a personal note, I'm really excited about this. It's a recovery programme that I've developed over seven years of my own recovery. And I've developed it because I wanted to offer something to women that just wasn't there for me. It starts from the idea that we're in 360 circles and we need to find the first step out. And that's where 361 comes from. And that first step can be different for everyone. We're going to be running it on Zoom because of current conditions and we are going to be sending out beautiful 361 journal. Um, I'm just really excited about this and I know it's going to really positively help women going forward and that's really what I want to do. I want to provide the support that I never got. I feel really deeply about it so I'm looking forward to hearing from you I'm looking forward to you meeting you online for either or both of the courses.